Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I am your host, Keith Koo. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests, Payson Johnston, CEO and co-founder of Crowds, and Senior Director of Account Services, Clay Dido. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks, Keith. So this week was a very busy news week for technology. Um, one of the biggest things was that hackers grabbed 1.5 million patient records from the Singaporean health system. Now, 1.5 records doesn't sound like much compared to the Equifax 145 million personal records, but this was significant in that the hackers stole 1.5 million patient records, but they were targeting the prime minister of Singapore Lee Shen Long. And that was really the interesting thing that people, this is a government, that people were targeting a particular person. Also, you don't hear about this too often. The former CEO of a Bitcoin exchange was actually found guilty of two things. One was securities fraud and the other one was obstruction of justice. So to give you the story around that, in 2012-2013, there was an exchange called WeExchange and a crypto asset holding called Bitfunder. Uh, they had a lot of Bitcoin stolen, 6000 which back then wasn't much money. Just a few years ago, it was $560,000. In today's Bitcoin value, it's $48 million. And so this person pled guilty, John Montreal. And he's looking at up to 20 years for each charge. And I think this goes to show that even though technology is new and a shiny penny, um, we don't know what experience he had back then, that lying to the government and trying to cover up is, is going to catch up with you eventually. Other big news is Twitter suspended over 70 million accounts in the last few weeks as a crackdown around false information or fake news. Uh, Twitter is really trying to clean up its image as things have come out more and more about this concept of internet trolls, especially with the accusations of foreign governments being behind these troll farms, which I'll talk to in a future episode. So Twitter shut down 70 million accounts, sometimes over a million accounts a day in the last two months. And that's because they're trying to stay ahead of this accusation. And that's news of the week. So for this week's show, I have a return guest, Clay Dito, who was on our show a few months back talking about Crowds, the company's with. And today we're also joined by the co-founder and CEO of Crowds, Payson Johnston. Uh, Payson was not on our show a few months back because he was actually in London for the Techstars Barclays Accelerator Program. So welcome back. Thanks. So just to recap, the show we had with Clay was called using blockchain to reduce EDI and ACH costs up to 85%. Now, you might not think that's very interesting. EDI stands for Electronic Data Interchange, and ACH stands for Automated Clearinghouse 
for you bank nerds like me. But actually, it was one of the most downloaded shows and were listened to in over 63 countries. And I think the reason why it was so interesting is that bank fees are something that everyone can relate to. And it costs, in some cases, which we'll get to throughout the show, it costs some businesses a lot of money just because of the nature of the business they're in. So, Clay, since you were here last time, what are some of the things that have happened since then? Yeah, we've had some real exciting uh, uh, things happen. Uh, Payson was in the uh, part of the Barclays Accelerators. You heard in, uh, there were some great uh, partnerships that he made over there that uh, uh, are allowing us to kind of move toward more of a, I guess you say, a regulated model of being able to, to come in and actually uh, help small, medium businesses. And actually with the powerhouse of Barclays and other uh, investments and hedge funds were able to bring pool that money together. So we have a huge leverage when it comes to being able to help these small, medium businesses with uh, with being able to alleviate that cash flow burden that they have. Yeah, and just to let people know, the Barclays Techstars program is very prestigious. There's over 500 applicants, and they only take on 10 companies for this program per year. So it was just really cool to hear that Crowds was one of them for this this past program. So Payson, welcome again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I think one of the really nice things in doing a follow-up a few months later is that where we were talking about EDI and ACH reduction in fees, which are always very important, we actually started also talking about where your investors are kind of positioning you next, which is trade finance. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is that? Yeah, so trade finance, otherwise known as some other things, supply chain finance, invoice buying, or factoring, is the ability for a small, medium company or a large company to sell an invoice. And usually companies get invoices and a buyer says, hey, I'll pay you in net 60 days or net 90 days. And a seller can take that invoice, sell it back to a bank or a funder and get the money immediately at a discounted rate and not have to wait that 90 days. And so that's trade finance. And how is that at scale? Why would a company want to do that? Yeah, a a lot of companies... You know, if they're especially manufacturing companies, even service companies have to buy a lot of raw materials and goods. And if they come in and they buy something, let's say they're making a phone or they're making a chair and they put out, uh, buy all the material and the buyer that they're selling the chair to says, I'll pay you in 120 days, net 120. Well, they don't get their money, but they have to buy all the material. And so what trade finance or invoice financing allows is for them to get the money up front and really cover the cost of the raw material instead of fronting it all themselves, even though it's a discounted rate. So it's slightly smaller than what they would get at the end of 120. They get the the cash immediately. So it really improves their cash flow. Before crowds and blockchain, what were their options to get trade finance? Yeah. So if you're a big company, you can go to a bank and it's a very manual process, a lot of paperwork. There's a projection that there's about um, a hundred, uh, several hundred documents that are needed just to do trade finance with a bank. But otherwise, you would go to a factoring company. A lot of factoring companies can charge upwards of 35% APR or more to sell back the invoice. And so what Crowds is really doing is creating a, a market-efficient way to sell back invoices at a better rate than what would happen in these factoring companies and an automated and digital way to do it. Yeah, that's great. I know further down on the show, we'll talk about some of those use cases. We'll talk about how companies get engaged. And that will be, um, I think, really helpful for a lot of people who don't know what's possible. But before we do that, I wanted to also talk a little bit about, is this uh, a U.S.-based 
solution or is, is it global? It's global. U.S., definitely. Um, U.K., China, Korea. I mean, wherever the businesses are. And one of the problems with the supply chain, and we found this out by working in it for years, is that as soon as one item changes hands or is manufactured or anything, basically what happens is it moves countries. So the raw material may come from one country. The final assembly might go to another country. Distribution might be in other countries. So it's a U.S.-based thing, but also a global thing as well. And for what that description is, do you think it disrupts other industries as well? Um, It helps improve the cash flow and make the supply chain more efficient overall and actually starts to eliminate some of the risk in the supply chain as well. So that's how it it disrupts, really moving the cash, moving it from things taking months to really getting into minutes and milliseconds of money movement and, and document movement so the product can get to the right place at the right time. Well, thanks. Um, so once again, Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, joined by Payson Johnson, co-founder and CEO of Crowds, and also Clay Dito, Senior Director of Account Services. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. For any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. So today I'm joined by Payson Johnston, CEO and co-founder of Crowds.io, and Senior Director of Account Services, Clay Dido. Hey, guys. Hey. It's great to be here. Thanks, Rob. This week's question is a continuation on a topic I started off last week. So it's a series on the analogy between confirmation bias in humans and system bias in machines or programs. So this week, we're talking about bias through interaction. So where some systems learn by examples and are looking at pattern analysis, so things like uh, health records or ways you are feeding lots of information in, there's another concept uh, in this bias through interaction about how systems learn in interacting over time And a great example of this was a very short-lived Microsoft program called Tay. Tay was a Twitter-based chatbot, and it learned from interactions with its users. Uh, Unfortunately, it was very quickly caught on by a community of racists who taught the chatbot to both be racist and misogynistic. And Microsoft had to pull Tay very quickly because in less than 24 hours, it became a racist, misogynistic chatbot. So, you know, one we want to think about is the more that humans are trying to interact with systems and use systems to be automated, the more comes up on the need to be ethical and to be very aware that systems can have biases as well. So in future applications, these behavioral scientists and analysts are really going to be focusing on having, um, in essence, indefeatable or undefeatable chatbots or programs that really can't have these kind of things happen when they're interacting and these unpredictable events. So think about the implications if you're applying for a job, applying for a loan, trying to get a credit card or trying to get a car, that if the program that's being trained to be interacted on doesn't really have an unbiased opinion of you, there can be some really bad results. 
So I'm very pleased to have back on my show Crowds.io. They are a Silk Road for global commerce, kind of a next generation platform. I had Clay on a few months ago to talk about Crowds while Payson was at the Barclays Techstars Incubator for four months. So it's just really great to have you guys back. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So Payson, since this is your first time, why don't we go a little bit into what Crowds is? Great. Thanks. Um, so basically, Crowds really is the silk road for global commerce. And the reason why we created this is we really saw two problems in the overall global supply chain. Um, one of those problems is there's a large amount of small, medium enterprises in the chain, and they have trouble accessing working capital, um, really improving their cash flow. And the second thing is in the chain, there's a large amount of the companies, 70 to 90%, that actually have not digitized the supply chain yet. And so what Crowds is focused on doing is really digitizing the supply chain and allowing working capital to get down into the chain to help improve small, medium enterprises and companies overall. And yeah. that's Crowds. Yeah, and um, why that's a great foundational um, aspect of Crowds. Well, real question is, why has it not happened up until today? What have been the barriers of solving for this type of problem? Definitely. You know, I, I came out of the background of supply chain and Cisco was one of the supply chains. And I actually, with my CTO, we actually digitized the raw materials and went up through the distribution channels. Um, but there were problems. And this was pre-cloud um, and pre-blockchain. And so the technology wasn't really there where a lot of companies have really focused on implementing digitization inside the company vertically up and down. But as soon as data is passed between one company and another, and this could be a small company, a big company, it's very, very manual. Lots of paper, lots of fax machines, emails, scanned PDFs, old EDI and SWIFT technology. And that's one of the reasons why no one's really gone after this. And then you take a, a subject like trade finance and supply chain finance, which is really selling an invoice at a discount so companies can get money faster, um, especially a lot of companies have net 60, net 90 terms. Well, a lot of that, even with the banks and the big players, very, very manual. And so that's why this hasn't been done yet today. But the technology is now in place to make this happen. Yeah. And uh, the technology that your engine is blockchain, right? Yeah. Blockchain. And of course, we use cloud too, but blockchain and specifically the Ethereum blockchain. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because even though you and I were both at Cisco for many years at the same time, I was more on the what we call the indirect side. So things that help the company run, things that are IT related, Oracle, Microsoft, IBM, and then you are actually on what we call the direct side. So you're actually supporting the products that a Cisco is manufacturing, which uh, just to make sure that people understand, it's, you know, high frequency, high commodity transactions where the supplier is the one that's most at risk because uh, they're beholden to a company like a Cisco. Where at mm -hmm. Cisco, I'm a customer. I'm, I'm right. buying from Microsoft. I'm buying from HP. But you are consuming all of these um, components to make these products. And I think people need to realize that, the, as Clay was mentioning in a show we did several months ago, those suppliers are the most at risk for having to get paid on time, having to um, make sure that they're in some cases, we call the single source or single supplier. Like you're like their main customer, right? Uh, that's where this becomes important. Yeah, definitely. And one of the examples I use because 
electronic supply chains, unless you've been in them, they're they're complex. They're like auto supply chains. There's thousands of parts going into single items that are being built in lots of different companies. But take an example of a, a chair. And in London, when I was there, I used this chair example. And basically, a simple plastic chair, um, it was being shipped into the Barclays um, uh, Rise uh, facility. And basically, that simple plastic chair was made by a Swiss designer. It was manufactured in Germany. The the chemicals actually came from mainland China and the raw materials from throughout Asia. And that simple plastic chair actually takes about 300 documents across 20 different companies to be exchanged in order to actually get it from its raw material state to its final assembly state. And our solution helps deploy cash down into that where companies are you know, along the chain, but also it helps it digitize it as well. And so you speed it up from months and months of paperwork to really minutes and milliseconds. And blockchain allows um, that to happen a lot more efficiently. Right. And that's where I think uh, what you just said when you were at London, um, I happened to be there. Thank you uh, for the invitation because I got to see the top 10 companies at the Barclays Techstars Accelerators. So at this event with Barclays and Techstars, there was the top 10 companies in fintech, which Crowds was one of. And what I really enjoyed about being at that event was the camaraderie, and but also the potential for part, the, the concept of partnerships with these companies that are not blockchain related and what you're doing with Crowds. Mm-hmm. So we'll get more into that at further into the show, but I just thought that was a, a really cool feature. So you're listening to Keith Koo on Silicon Valley Insider, joined today by two guests from Crowds, Payson Johnston, the CEO and co-founder, and Clay Didu, the Senior Director of Account Services. And we're talking about their journey. Just a quick reminder, I will be keynoting next week at the Hartford, Connecticut Upwork uh, CISO conference. We'll be talking about cybersecurity and blockchain with a number of startups and also companies like Aetna, Cigna, and the Hartford. Um, Also, there is the IBM Call for Code, which has been going on now until August 31st, uh, offering companies up to $30 million in prize money over five years. If you have Need more information on that? Emails at info at svin.biz. And I'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1 888 828 7846. That's 888 828 SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, insiders, welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Joined today by two special guests from crowds.io. Payson Johnston, CEO and co-founder, and Clay Dido, Senior Director of Account Services. Hi again. Hi. Hi. So today's Cyber Tip of the Week is something very close and dear to my heart. We've been talking about it on this show frequently, which is this concept of third-party risk. And how this happened is Ticketmaster, which has locations, although it's digital, there's in essence locations around the world, some of the international locations had gotten hacked, and how they did it was through the chatbot in these different languages and these different locations around the world. The chatbot was infected. Now, the chatbot was provided by a vendor or a third party, and that's how they stole a lot of personal information, a lot of credentials. And it's interesting because people don't often think about even their ticket provider as in essence being a vendor and their vendors being what we call in third-party land as 
fourth party risks. And sometimes if you're a services company, they'd be a subcontractor. So this is very appealing to malicious actors because they now have access to, instead of you know one uh, customer to hack, they have tens of thousands of people they can attack at once and get all that information. And so this is really important if you're a company to understand your entire supply chain. And today in the studio, we have Crowds.io, which is in essence a supply chain platform on blockchain. Um, I'm going to bring this up and transition into, there's a company called Aravo that is third-party risk management software. And I did an interview with them several months ago talking about just the importance of third-party risk in general. And also the interview then led to cyber risk and blockchain. And there was something that we talked about where blockchain um, in some circles is not considered ready for prime time. But if and when it is, this would be a really good use case to supply uh, to su- to secure the supply chain as a whole. So I wanted to turn this over to you, Payson, and what mm-hmm. you think about that. Yeah, I get this question a lot um, from VCs, from um, corporates, um, from banks, whether blockchain is ready for prime time. And one of the things the blockchain does differently than any other technology that's come along in the last 20 years is that under the smart contract concept of a blockchain, it allows for three things to come together. Um, one is document purchase order, invoices, et cetera, which typically was done on third-party companies, SAP Ariba and others. Then you have the business process done in the cloud, et cetera, and you have the money movement, which has been done in the past, ACH, SWIFT, other, other methods. And what blockchain does with smart contracts for the first time is to bring these three things together. And it allows for that to happen really for the first time ever. And so we actually at Crowds have an application that is really um, coming in and fixing specific problems in supply chain and trade finance. And so we believe it is now ready for prime time from that standpoint. But up until that point, there's been a lot of apps out there trying to do stuff, dabbling with stuff, more of tech focused. And yet we're going after really a, a key problem in the supply chain to solve, to bring those three together which for the first time has never happened. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, it's funny because I've been talking a lot about crowds recently. And when I do talks, whether it's a forum or whether it's a speech or a keynote, uh, I talk about how supply chain is a perfect example uh, for blockchain right now. Right. Uh, we, we talk about iterations. We talk about how um, Bitcoin's a generation one blockchain. Ethereum with smart contracts is quote unquote a generation two. Mm-hmm. We're now moving to generation three, which is governance, and eventually generation four, which is identity and reputation. But for now, when we think about the the actors, the parties involved, and really at the core of trying to do business mm-hmm. or or validation of transactions with each other, supply chain is it. And that's where I was talking to one of the number one tokenomics guys in the world about crowds. And it's funny because he's actually uh, often about, you know, this idea is terrible. This idea is not going to work. But when I, when I mentioned the crowd use case, he was like, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, hats off to you guys. Clay, what are some of the thoughts you have around where crowds is going to go next? Yeah. So I see us as being, uh, First and foremost, uh, kind of the 
the risk here for these small medium businesses because you have all these uh, small medium businesses with these cash flow issues. I see us alleviating that, allowing these uh, not just the large corporate supply chains, but these small, what I call main street supply chains to actually be able to thrive in terms of being able to serve their communities better, uh, being stronger. You know, uh, average lifespan of a small medium business is three to five years. Uh, we believe that our solution would be able to uh, allow that to be extended, obviously, as uh, small medium businesses have the operational cash flow that they need to. And I really see this being a transformation uh, of business. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think um, when we talk about the small medium businesses and uh, Margaret Jackson, who does a radio show, Business on the Edge, um, she came out with a magazine this year that I wrote uh, the first article on blockchain for her. Uh, we had talked about this exact point that small businesses need to adopt blockchain, but they don't even know how to get started, right? And I think uh, one, they can ask or call in for help. But two, um, this important part is during the last recession, um, I know of a very large Chinese, uh, not Chinese, sorry, very large chip manufacturer who paid their Chinese suppliers in cash, billions of dollars, where everybody else was on credit. And that was purely to keep their suppliers floating because maybe their other customers weren't going to pay them. So when we talk about what you are offering on this platform, is that that a risk management, the ability to hedge against those types of situations in case we get into a recession again? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and one of the things, you know, I was at Cisco at the time and, and saw firsthand what happened in 2008 with the financial crisis and lots of small medium enterprises went out of business, right? And one of the things with our solution is we have the deploying capital, but we're also collecting the data on what happens and being able to project what happens in the future and where risks are developing in the supply chain, which tend to happen nine, six to nine months ahead of what happens upstream in the final assembly is something we're also um, very good at. And that's, that's really our focus area overall with crowds. Yeah, and I, I like that point too because people are thinking right now because blockchain's a buzzword that it's it's kind of uh, almost um, in a silo, but they're not understanding that blockchain um, in itself doesn't mean much. It's the ability to integrate with these other concepts. So you're now talking about analytics and big data and the ability to uh, use information that's coming off of a distributed database, distributed ledger, in order to do this prediction analysis that will help many other organizations predict. Um, there's another company or companies that are looking at trade finance a little bit differently in securing the supply chain and being able to see the end-to-end -end on every aspect of, let's say, um, a bottle of wine leaving the winery to the actual destination and seeing everything that happens. You now have the ability to potentially even ensure the shipment on each step of the way. So instead of insuring the shipment from end to end, potentially insuring a shipment from destination to destination along the supply chain. Mm -hmm. So in the first segment, we kind of gave the background of the first uh, show we did with you several months ago with Clay. And we talked about, you know, re managing electronic data interchange, EDI or automated clearinghouse payments and fees. And then in the last segment, we had kind of talked about how we transitioned into this trade finance concept, and we also talked about um, your presentation on London Payson, and it was a really good presentation. You can actually YouTube it, uh, Payson Johnston at Techstars in London, and you went through this whole 
Silk Road concept of really being able to replicate uh, what we used to do in Silk Road for now for global commerce. Um, why don't you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, the the idea around the Silk Road is it's relating to there's a project underway. It's being kind of initiated out of China, but it's called One Belt, One Road. And the Chinese government's put $1 trillion up, but it's it's way beyond China. And what they're doing is interconnecting supply chains across 77 different countries. And it's really about moving product from east to west, where a lot of the product now originates in the east and, and is consumed in the west, whether that be Europe or, or the United States. And so what we realized and what we were focused on is there's not really, they're building huge amounts of infrastructure, but there's not really a digital connection. And then the movement of cash flow to up and down the chain is really stilted. Lots and lots of paper up and down that chain and old EDI technology, fax machines, emails floating around. And that's really what Crowds is focused on on working on. So then to that point, where does Crowds fit in? How do you get part of that and connect it to the digital Silk Road? Yeah, so we're connecting via, you know, we're connecting to the banks. We're connecting to partners in um, in Asia. And basically what we're helping to do is to deploy capital up and down partners who are in that supply chain overall. They might be a small, medium enterprise. They might be a company receiving goods from China. Well, being able to help finance their supply chain and help move the capital in that supply chain and then add visibility as they source that supply chain, that's how Crowds helps in that. So then how do they actually get engaged with Crowds? Oh, so basically you can find Crowds, Crowds, um, Crowds spelled C-R-O-W-D-Z, and then crowds.io is our website and you can contact us there um, and definitely um, uh, basically um, find out more information we can we can help get you up to speed okay and then do you have in-country representatives um, so we're in us for sure um, we're in the uk we're in korea china and india right now and just with the last couple of minutes for this segment why don't we talk about uh, posco which was um, the third largest steel manufacturer in the world yeah, so POSCO basically um, has done a POC with Crowds, a proof of concept, and um, was really one of the forefronts of pushing the blockchain. And they're more industrial player going, whoa, this blockchain can really improve a really traditional organization to push across invoices and certificate of origins and bill of ladings, all the documents needed for trade finance. And so POSCO and other um, industrial players in China, also in the UK and the US, have been utilizing our system really to improve that trade finance. And our ultimate goal and our higher purpose of this is really not only to help the big players, but also have the small players be able to access cash and others that, you know, and be able to operate like a big player can. Well, thanks, Mason. I, w- I want to dive into that in our final segment. So don't go away. You're listening to Keith Koo. Silicon Valley Insider with special guest Payson Johnson, co-founder and CEO of Crowds, and Clay Dido, Senior Director of Account Services. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svin.biz, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests from Crowds.io, Payson Johnston, co-founder and CEO, and Clay Dido, Senior Director of Account Services. And our first 
couple of segments, we talked a lot about where crowds uh, was are really enabling all forms of business, small, medium, and large, on how to use blockchain to manage supply chain and how they are now working on trade finance. So welcome back. Thank you. Thanks. So in our last segment, Clay, we had talked about if anybody had any questions on how to engage with crowds, to go to the website, which is crowds.io, crowds with a Z, C-R-O-W-D-Z.io. But once they do that, what are the next steps? What happens? Yeah, so there's some some great tips on the uh, website as well, some great information. We also have a live chat available on the website as well. So if you have any questions uh, after you've read and uh, understood what we do, we're more than happy, myself or some of my team members are happy to assist you there in the live chat to be able to understand what your needs are and be able to, to help you. So uh, it's pretty much uh, a full-service uh, site. Okay. And then once somebody gets engaged, you get all the requirements. Uh, what's typical and how fast it can actually be up on the Crowds platform? Yeah. So the uh, the onboarding feature uh, from uh, minutes uh, in, in terms of just being able to, to sign up and register, and then uh, depending on what uh, custom applications they need, uh, we have a, a quick and responsive uh, development team and uh that can really do quick turnaround on most of the uh, customization pieces. Okay, that's great. Um, you know, we talked about where Payson, you do presentations about crowds, you talk about where it's a marketplace and how analogous to the Silk Road for global commerce. What are some of the reasons that that's important? We talked a lot about paper. Mm-hmm. Like in some cases, the chair you're sitting on might have 300 documents and 20 different intermediaries. What is the reason for that? Yeah, I mean, you have uh, legacy systems that, I mean, these a lot of these systems have been put in place pre-computer days, right? And a lot of the paperwork was pre-computer days. And until technology like blockchain has come around, um, you know, technology never really tackled some of these outstanding paperworks. They always focused on the credit card and the, the consumer purchase but this B2B area, which in some um, areas I've, I've read from between 15 to 20 trillion, roughly, in um, commerce that goes across the world in this and, and more in some areas. Um, and basically, paperwork was just never changed. And so you have all these computer systems and they, they automate a piece of it, but then paperwork needs to be exchanged for a bunch of it. And so we at Crowds are really looking at the whole process of the supply chain really improving that and eliminating the paperwork in that so it can all go digitally. And then cash can flow a lot easier as well. Have you found any barriers or um, detractors in what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, there are some older technologies. The EDI technology, so Swift technology, they were created in the 1960s and 1970s. And those are kind of the prevalent um, uh, techs that are in place in businesses. And then there's people really kind of feeling comfortable about paper right. as well. But it it's okay if it's it's a local deal in a lot of cases, but as it's going internationally, I sent a document to China the other day, and I think it cost me almost $60 just yeah. to send a piece of paper signed to China. And you look at that, and it, it took maybe four days to get there because I didn't send it overnight. And so you look at that, and you go, whoa, that's slowing down all of global business. Right. You start to digitize all that paperwork and the money movement, and all of a sudden things speed up. 
So uh, the analogy I'll have is I was offered a job in the late 90s. I, I ultimately went to go to Cisco, but this is a very large, well-known company as well. There was a concept called open financial effects, mm-hmm. and this could have replaced checks in the mid-90s already. Um, it was a consortium with Microsoft and other and a lot of large banks. And the reason why it didn't take off at that point in time, although you know now we have PayPal, we have digital right. um payment solutions is literally the cost of uh, there's a there's a whole industry around check processing mm-hmm. and that industry wanted to hold on for dear life so that's kind of the reason I was asking is uh, it's kind of a loaded question is I, I would expect that from what crowds is trying to accomplish and the efficiencies gain there will be uh, older companies trying to defend their position but I think one key aspect of this is in blockchain even if you try to defend it, like how it took so much longer to actually get to digital checks, which mm-hmm. we have the option today, uh, I think that the friction is gone. It's actually becoming a frictionless economy. Right, right. And, and removing the paper on both the document side and the, the money movement side starts to eliminate the friction. And that's that's ultimately what most businesses want, right? And that's we've heard that from large and small. And in the big banks, I, I spent time talking to most of the major banks in London and they're all talking about pacing. You can, if you can eliminate the friction of this paperwork, it really just speeds it all up, and and people will embrace it. Right. And and as a former technology uh, employee, and as a former banker, I would tell you that I think if you use back to that check example, this is reducing paper on steroids. And I think that as uh, banks thought they were kind of late to the game in that late '90s, early 2000s cycle, uh, they're rapidly, rapidly adopting. Uh, especially if they're forward thinking, because one of the things about fintech versus banks is that fintech has taken off because they don't have the same challenges around paper, around reg- even regulations. So it looks like we're out of time. Payson and Clay, thanks again for being here. Thanks, thanks for having thanks. me. I'm really excited and look forward to hearing more about what Crowd is doing to disrupt this traditional notion of paper and uh, look forward to more hearing about the Silk Road for global commerce. You're listening to Keith Kuhn, Silicon Valley Insider, joined by crowds.io. For more information, email us at info at svi.biz, and we'll be back next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 